Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast on the real Football Tonight Football Channel and the Football Tonight Podcast. We are recording this on Sunday, February 11th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, City defeat Everton, Holland is back on track, United get themselves moving, and everything is all chalk with Liverpool winning as well. But first, I want to talk about celebrations, who can celebrate, when they can celebrate, how they can celebrate, and all the celebrations that go along with it. Okay, so last week we had the issue with um, Arsenal celebrating or over-celebrating or whatever, and I think it harkens back to how things went for Arsenal last season, specifically the Bournemouth game where they went a little bit nuts, and Gary Neville's kind of sort of instructive or Jamie Carragher's instructive, and then that became the narrative for the week. What I think is interesting about that is not the celebration part. What I find fascinating is the idea of who defines what is okay to celebrate. On the one hand, you have someone like Gary Neville who won everything with United and is this sort of voice of what winners are like. And he's saying Arsenal are over-celebrating because you haven't won anything yet. And then that spreads through the narrative and it's did they over-celebrate? Did they not over-celebrate? Okay. Last week, as you know, uh, Arsenal defeated Liverpool, and there were a lot of po- photos and the Martin Odegaard picture and whatever, and that became the debate. And today, Arsenal backed that celebration up with a massive, destructive display against West Ham United. A 6-0 that was almost the same as their previous game, where they dominated them but lost. Uh, and in this one, they just, everything went in. Saka with two goals, Trossard with a killer, Rice with a killer, set-piece goals from Saliba and and Gabriel. There's not really that much to talk about, except that it was destructive, it was comprehensive, and it almost got uncomfortable for um, West Ham, especially away from home in London. Now, from the Arsenal perspective, this becomes a narrative piece where They're on the ascendancy. They've done their celebration. They're ready. Okay. On that celebration piece, I think you have to celebrate the triumphs. You have to celebrate as you go along. I think that these are moments of young men going through their careers, especially the first time, especially as you're going through it in the moments. These guys, Arsenal, are still one of the youngest teams. I think their average age is. 25 maybe at most. Arteta's the youngest manager. He never really won anything either, uh, except with Pep, and it was not his team. And so I think we have to give this team some credit, some room, some energy to allow themselves to go through it. Now, on Gary Neville's side, his rationale for his kind of you shouldn't celebrate is that it takes energy, that putting emotion into football takes energy and hurts you as you're going through it. So that as you play and as you uh, battle through the season, you can't go up and down like that. You, Your brain and your body can't stand it. It will exhaust you. You will get tired. And so that's his rationale for why you can't get overly emotional. 
And I, from that, when he uses that perspective, then I understand it. Then I think it makes sense on why Arsenal shouldn't over-celebrate or whatever. In the case that, I'm going to go philosophical, in the case that you're a stoic, if you're, if you're making decisions and playing overly emotional, you lose the narrative of what you're doing and you can get exhausted. On the other side, if we think about someone like Klopp, who his team feeds off emotion, but it doesn't play with emotion. It uses it as a means to get through games. And Klopp is the conduit who carries it. And then he relays it to his players. You don't get the sense that Liverpool players over-celebrate, right? It's Klopp, it's the fans, it's Anfield. On the pitch, they're focused. So I think the thing that, that, that we're trying to sort of get here is let's make sure that Arsenal are focused in their celebration in that they know it's not over, that they can go again. Because I think that we're really shaping up into a very, very down-to-the-wire goal difference. Like the six goals that Arsenal got now put them in line with where uh, City were in terms of goal difference in Liverpool. So an important, important, important game for Arsenal to control, for Arsenal to win, for Arsenal to move forward with. Um, I think that they are inverting their season this season, whereas last season they came out of the gates and blew teams away. This season they really struggled in the first 19 games of the season and for goals and, and, and set pieces and whatever. And now they're really putting it together with Rice and Odegaard and the whole team playing in different ways. Trossard coming in made a huge difference. Totally confused Aguerd and Zuma, who were awful and got pulled apart all over the place uh, in this game. And and Arsenal are showing a, a different type of playing. They needed the time to figure out how to play with Rice carrying the ball. Uh, how to integrate Havertz versus Shaka, who did great with Leverkusen. And then to have the best defense in the league and change their keeper with Taraya. I think changing the keeper was the right thing to do. If you noticed, we don't talk about Ramsdale anymore. That story, that narrative is gone. Now they did the right thing. Now they do have their keeper. You can see him open up play and get them going forward in a more measured kind of way. So Arsenal are definitely in the title challenge. They're in the title race. They're right there. I think we're going to have a three-team race down to the wire. It's one, two, three, Liverpool, City, Arsenal. That's just where we are right now. And if you're there, you have a chance. If you're there, you have a chance. Uh, on the West Ham side, I know, Hammers, you want Moyes out. You, this was the worst performance that, that, um, that uh, Moyes could have, especially in the face of his little style. He's... You know, I what did what did Benny Lanyardo say on the Totally Football Show? He's he's Mourinho diet diet Mourinho. Um, when the results are there, you can stand it, and it's nice to win things, and you feel good. But when they're not, this team feels really like God. I have to watch this. This is awful. So in this game, they just had one of those games where nothing worked. They couldn't get close to Arsenal. The front men couldn't. Their defenders couldn't get any. Thing around them. Bowen was on his own. It was really just kudos and Bowen trying to create anything out of nothing. No, no Paqueta, no. It was very defensive with Alvarez and Suchek. So, you know, tough to get anything going for them. So just a difficult 
thing. I don't think it's Moyes out. Uh, they've had a great season. West Ham are still eighth in the table. They're still pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, other matches to go to and what they mean. Uh, I think we go to the United game that happened today. This was a big win for United. I mean, the McTominay, four goals, late. Um, it looked like it was just going to be a draw. Uh, it looked like Unai Emery was like, okay, I'm not going to win this game. Uh, United went up with the Hoyland goal. Uh, again, Hoyland showing his his sort of power here uh, on, a, on, a, on a cross that Maguire taps it to him. Then he fires it in. He scored, I think, five in his last four games or six goals in his last five, something like that. So this front line of Garnacho, Rashford, this group, this foursome, this group is working. Uh, Dallow has been fantastic. So as much as I killed United all season, I think that, and I said this before, their play was bad, but they were getting results. I mean, their play was atrociously bad. Um, but they were getting results. And now that the underlying numbers are what they are, but now that they have a group that's sort of coalescing, now we know Garnacho's on the other side. It fits. Now we have someone getting the balls to Hoyland. That works. Rashford had his little moment where he didn't show up. That works. Casemiro makes things work. Mainu makes things work. Varane being in the team really sticks things together. Onana saved United's ass in this game. The play is still not great, but the results have been there. That has been sort of the MO of this United side under Ten Hag in that I can see them now finishing in the top four. I can see them now getting in Europe. This terrible performing team has moments, has talent. They play for each other. It does work. They just need to pick each other up. Like Hoyland won't be on the goal scoring streak like this. When that goes down, what happens? Does Garnacho step up? When does Fernandez find a goal? I think the keys here are Casemiro links the thing together, keeps that thing fr- keeps things from breaking. But I mean, I mean, look at this momentum. Aston Villa were good in this game and very easily could have pulled it off. Let's just look. Expected goals. This was a Villa game. You know, open play. They they. Villa had their chances. They really could have pulled this game out. They just didn't take them. This is what happens to lots of teams. Happens all the time, especially in the second half. You feel like you feel like they were hanging on just a little bit there. Uh, Watkins did not have his best game. Didn't really cover himself in glory there, and it was a little bit of a problem for him. Onana was fantastic, and Villa, you know, lived to fight another day. It's why it's so hard. To finish in the top four, you ju- when you're sort of under undermanned, underrepresented, under everything, you just lose that little bit. Instead of drawing and winning, you start to lose and draw, right? And those four points start to catch up. And eventually, you know, Villa now coming off a Wednesday where they lose to Chelsea and they kind of, ah, and so they're slipping slowly but surely down, down, down. But this was really about United and their resiliency, their ten hogness. They are there. They are somehow, some way, have found a way to stick in this league, to stick in this division, 
where they are, you know, fairly poor. They're still five points off Villa. This was a must win. Still, just that negative goal difference. I mean, look at Villa are 18 goals better over the season, but just five points separate them. This is what John has been saying all season. You know, the points are on the board. Yes, the points are on the board. So every game is a reset. Okay, I can only sort of give you my prediction based on what I saw. And what I saw was a team that doesn't play well. And what I saw was a team that didn't score goals. See, only the 33. But if they are scoring, if they are indeed going to start scoring, then we see that they have a top five defense, right? They have a top five defense along with Spurs and Villa and 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 um, and Tottenham. So we can reasonably say if they're going to score as they are expected to score, then perhaps they can mount a charge seeing as they got mostly lucky or banked some points that they probably didn't deserve, and now they can kick on. So my assumption would be down the stretch, you know, catching Tottenham for top four is a possibility. It's two games, right? They need to, they need Spurs to drop six points and they need to not drop any more points. So it is hard, but it is doable. And I think United are probably there or thereabouts at this point. So listen, I change all the time. I go up and down. I move all around. I just want to make sure that the, I didn't real. I realized I wasn't looking at the table, but you can see United are right there on, on six, on 41, able to get through. Uh, we're seeing that partnership of Garnacho and Hoyland, and that youth is there. My news there. You've got a good mix. It feels like the balance is working, and you've got a, a keeper in Dallow. And as long as Varane is there, whoever his partner is, be it Lindelof, be it Maguire or whatever, at least Varane is there. So the whole thing is kind of working a little bit. Uh, so we'll see what United can do. So, John, be happy. Uh, Villa, that turning point on Boxing Day that you were at was really the biggest game of United season. And I think sort of says to them, hey, we can do this. We can move forward. So we can see that that is one of the things that's happening for United. As for Villa... For them to finish in fifth is a great season. They're still in this group, right? They feel like that, but they're starting to feel like Leicester uh, under under Rodgers, where they were there, they were hanging in there, but you kind of get the feeling that at the end of the season, they'll drop out uh, because the Watkin, that group is just kind of running out of gas a little bit. Uh, they're not quite able to keep the machine going and like I said, they're sputtering a little bit. They haven't got the uh, the wins and the capability to really hang in these types of situations where they're going again and going again and going again and going again. Uh, so they are in trouble in that regard. They are in trouble in that regard. Um, other games, I'm less interested in in City and Liverpool holding serve. City had to fight. Uh, Liverpool had to fight a little bit with Burnley. Um, but ultimately, their class shown through. Diaz, Nunez and Diaz both getting good goals along with Jota. That front three, even without Salah, they get through it with the one loss to Arsenal, which I think is fine. Uh, Endo coming back made a difference. And then for poor, um, for poor Burnley, they may have got, they may have felt like they could have gotten something from this. Odebear missed an awesome chance, and so did Fofana. But this is what happens when you're Burnley. You don't get to go to Anfield and get wins. You get to go to Anfield, have a good half, and lose. <laughs> and that's really where, 
where they are, right? You see these little moments here. They had a goal here, and they had a couple moments here and there. But all, all otherwise, you know, it was all Liverpool. Uh, really an easy, easy performance for them. I mean, giving up four shots on target for Liverpool, they're not going to feel good about that. These are the Fofana shots. They really were both on that side where they just had chances that probably could have pulled the thing out. But Burnley are on the path to the relegation zone. They know it. We know it. Uh, it's really not something that we can deny. Okay. My beloved Manchester City, ho-hum, 2-0. It felt like it was going to be one of those days, and then boing, bang, boom, cometh the man, cometh the 70th minute, Erling Holland back post, rifles it in, and they get a goal, and then another goal. Once Everton start to come out and try and get a result, there's, there's, there's Holland again on the break from De Bruyne. Two goals, no problem, game over. See you later, Everton. You had no chance. Thanks for playing. Um, another good game. Uh, another fantastic game. Who knows how City are playing? They play rotating back lines. Uh, Nunez comes in just to see how he's doing. He comes out. You know, Ashley Young is still playing as a winger. I mean, what is going on with Everton? Anyway, this was easy. It, it, the less talked about this game, the better. It was not a great game. But Holland, of course comes in, makes a difference. City gave up nothing. One shot on target. They're very defensive. They're not as... City are not as grooved, I'd say, as the best of Liverpool. Um, very reliant on the creativity of De Bruyne. Very reliant on the holding of Rodri. And um, seem to give up goals on the first shot over and over and over again. But this game was so boring. I can admit it. Uh, it was easy. So it's good for City to have easy games, and they just move on. Not a not a big deal. This, to be fair, I want to talk about this week of games. Not a very narrative, uh, jumpy week. I mean, aside from the Arsenal game, which was really a big game, and I guess United's match was sort of an important match for them, it, it was not a, oh, boy, what happened kind of me. You know, the big boys all won, right? City. Liverpool, uh, Tottenham, Sheffield, I mean, uh, United, I mean, everyone, all the big teams won. So we didn't get a change at the top. We just sort of flip over the calendar to, oh, what's the next big game? What's the next big game? Uh, I do want to talk about my beloved Brighton and Hove Albion and Spurs. I watched this game from end to end. Really fun and fantastic game. I really liked it. First half was all Albion, as usual. Second half, Spurs showed a lot. Uh, a fight and really could have pulled this one out, but Spurs get the um, Spurs get the last minute winner on the break. Hinmin Son, uh, Brendan Johnson, last minute goal, just fantastic. And Spurs and uh, Brighton thinking they were going to get their point did not. Uh, you know, really fun and enjoyable game as usual. These two teams are just really go at it. Really enjoyed everything that was going on. Sar got the first goal. Really. Fine, fine goal coming back from the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, Billy Gilmore, this rating is not accurate. He bossed this game. He was fantastic for most of it. Um, Vicario, they're still tr they're still targeting him a little bit in some of those uh, under the under the bar things. A lot of weird stuff going on there. Uh, my boy Dunk had a nightmare of a game. I think his 
days are kind of done. He's way too slow. Almost always gives up a near penalty. But uh, yeah, still really fun game. Really enjoyable to see another late winner for Spurs, even if it's against my beloved uh, um, uh, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, who are having a good season still. Just uh, other matches of note that I took note of was, you know, my friends at Luton Town losing to Sheffield. That is really a blow to them. They need all those points. As much as they've been having great results, losing at home to Sheffield United is really, really bad. Uh, hurts them. So even though Everton lost, they're still not out of the relegation zone. Uh, I follow the relegation zone. I love this stuff. This is my favorite bit of the season. I love the bottom of the table. I love all this crap. For it, they all lost, right? Only Sheffield won. So they're on 13. You know, Palace Palace plays on Monday. But Forrest, Luton, and Everton, and Burnley all lost. So no change there and no change here. So really a very uneventful day, aside from if you're a villain. Uh, sort of mid-table taking their lumps. Uh, Fulham getting off their schneid, getting a win for the first time in a while. Beating, I think, the even derby, which is Bournemouth. And then, of course, uh, Wolves losing to Brentford, which you can now see Brentford. They had a little moment where they were going to slip down. I just don't think Brentford can go down. I think we're really talking about from Palace down. Um, you know, who between Luton, Everton, and Forest, like Everton, we know is of a quality that is higher than this group, but they still got to get the wins, right? These three draws in a row were nice, but that's, I, they would have gladly traded a win for any of those, right? Uh, that's a great result, that 2 2. Um, nil nil against Fulham. Everton have got to feel like they can win that game. Nil nil against Aston Villa. That's a great result, but they've got to find a way to score goals because. That minus six is all nice, and they've got a 10-point penalty. They should be up here with Fulham. <clears throat> Their quality is of that level, right? Minus six, minus six. But they do have to deal with that 10-point deduction. So they actually have to beat Luton. And you'd expect them to, but, you know, they're in the fight for their lives. And then um, I do worry for Forrest now. They're starting to get a little bit jaded after the Nuno bounce. Um, Owanyi looked good. They did bring that. Um, that game against Newcastle level, they still have good results at home, but I'll just go through it a little bit because of our Newcastle uh, friends' bias. Uh, good goal from Hudson Odoi. They were going into the break at 2-2, so they felt good, but uh, Guimaraes, cometh the man, cometh the moment, gets that goal on 66, and it was a real heartbreaker. Um, you know, after the having the game be level, you knew that um, you knew that Newcastle would go and try and win it, and they did. Um, you know, Gumaresh just all over the park. Gordon all over the park. Both real winners. The back line was fantastic. Uh, the the set piece goals, the Trippier in and out, back and forth. I mean, just really training ground stuff. Shars founding his scoring boots. Just good stuff overall. Um, you always know a good team when they are having a hard time creating things, but they can create things out of their set pieces. They find ways to score goals, right? There's not a lot of creativity in this midfield. I mean, in terms of forward passing, Miley is tidy. He does what he can, but, you know, they really do need another player in there to make a difference, uh, and they don't have that. So they've got to live off those set pieces and and uh, Gordon driving in, but they get the win. So that's all Newcastle cares about. I'm sure Chris 
people have covered it off a lot in like five videos. I don't know how he sleeps or what he does <laughs> to keep uh, all of it going because he's fantastic. Anyway, I'm a little tired. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I don't think anyone wants to really listen to this. We do have a game tomorrow. Palace at home against Chelsea at night. Chelsea have had a tough time in the league, but did beat um, did beat Aston Villa in the week. Very good result, but that Wolves game leaves a real stink in the mouth, and they really need a very good win against Palace because then they'll have City, Tottenham, and Liverpool. They might not win any of those games. And the FA Cup against Leeds, which is a historic game. Look up the 1970 FA Cup. Chelsea versus Leeds is about as historic uh, as you can get there. Their, their 1970 FA Cup matchup is the most watched football game in English history. 28 million people just in England watched it. That's about as big as it gets. So it's Super Bowl level game. Uh, so Leeds, Chelsea has the romance of the cup in it. But uh, these are the games that Chelsea need to batter Crystal Palace, especially they still have Roy. Just light them up. Really go after them really do damage to them because if they don't then they'll have they'll 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 lose these two games and really be in trouble. So Chelsea play tomorrow and keep your eye on that one. Um what else? What else? I'm tired. It was Super Bowl Sunday. The Chiefs are champions. Uh in overtime. Uh Patrick Mahomes now a three-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. There are only 5 of them in history. So Good on him. Uh, let's look at the table right now, right? We've got Liverpool, top of the league on 54, but with the most games. City on 52 with a game in hand. Level with Arsenal on goal difference as well. There's a little bit of a gap. Then Tottenham and Villa bring up the four and five with United here. Uh, just sort of playing around the outside there. Uh, and then you get another little gap between United and Newcastle. That that Newcastle and West Ham are still level on points. I think these three are kind of together here. Uh, West Ham still playing in Europe. Newcastle probably going to get themselves back together. They're they're a better team than this. And then this sort of next group of teams, Brighton and Wolves, will probably battle it out, and we'll see where everything goes. I'm so fascinated by Luton. I want them to stay up, but I also want Everton to stay up, and I also want Forrest to stay up. So, Palace, are you ready to go? You're pretty bad. Time for you to go. What do you think, Palace? There's a six-point gap between Everton and Burnley. So, it's one between these three. Uh, and I hope... Oh, God, I love all these teams. I really do. I don't want any of them to go. Such as relegation. It's so sad. <laughs> I freaking hate it. Oh, God. Okay. I'm tired. Uh, I give you a show and I go. Okay. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the Premier League wing of the Football Tonight YouTube channel. Presented exclusively by the Football Tonight podcast. We record on Sunday, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a show. And if you're listening on Apple, please review the show because it means everything. And I should be on with Chris tomorrow. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Okay. Thanks, everybody. See you.